the IAB podcast from SNK Studios. Hello and welcome to this episode of the IAB UK podcast, brought to you with the help of our sponsor, Verizon Media. I'm James Chandler, Chief Marketing Officer at the IAB, and this week we're tuning into something close to our hearts here at the podcast, the rise of digital audio. 25.8 million people in the UK listen to audio online. That's nearly half the population. So what's audio's secret? Will it continue to boom? How can it be made to work best for brands? And what's in store for digital audio in the future? We'll get into the weeds of all those questions and more with our expert industry panel. Plus, we'll be creating a short but sweet two-minute explanation of sonic branding. We'll also be hearing about last week's Digital Britain in Manchester and sitting down with Guardian Media Group legend Nick Hewitt to pose 10 off-the-beaten-track quickfire questions. So if that sounds like music to your ears, stay tuned. And whether you're listening to this as you wrestle your way onto a delayed commuter train or as a soothing accompaniment to your first proper spring clean of the year, we hope that by the end of this episode, you'll have gained a sound insight into digital audio. Now, are you a podcast fan? Perhaps you like music and stream it on the go or at your desk. Just the fact that you're listening to this podcast means you're one of nearly half of the population who listen to digital audio. Maybe you even exceed the average 12.6 hours a week on average spent listening to audio online. But how did digital audio make such leaps and bounds in the last few years? What is it that we find so irresistible? And is the pace of growth sustainable? Joining me now to make some noise about the subject a Guy Jones, Director of Commercial Operations for DAX, and Chris Wistow, Global Head of Business Operations at ACAST. Guy, Chris, thank you for joining us. Um, Guy, we'll start with you. What, what's behind this massive surge in the focus of audio in the last two to three years? So I think it's a couple of different things, actually. Um, on the one hand, you've got technology. Uh, so you've got this proliferation of different devices, mm. voice-activated speakers being the most obvious one, um, which are springing up, which means actually there is more and more opportunity for people to listen to digital audio than there ever has been mm. before. Uh, and then on the other hand, you've got different types of content. Um, so you mentioned podcasts just yeah. now, and actually um, listenership to podcasts has um, really skyrocketed over the last couple of years. So you've got this intersection of people having more opportunity to listen to digital audio, and you've got people creating ever more uh, kinds of content um, I think that's really what's uh, yeah. what's what's driving up uh, driving up listening. And then from an advertiser perspective, um, it's more measurable than it ever has been before. It's yeah. more targetable than it ever has been before, yeah. and it's simpler to buy than it ever has been before. So all of those three things come together. It's like a magic trilogy. It's incredible. <laughs> uh, and and podcasts on the topic of podcasts, your sweet spot, obviously, Chris. Um, You'd agree with that? I mean, you're, you're not that old as a company, even Acast. No, literally uh, around about four, four and a half years old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, to echo what guys said, I mean, I think the proliferation of uh, of just great content, particularly in the podcast yeah. space. I mean, you go back a couple of years, uh, you know, it was sort of very um, stereotypical, you mm. know, people, in, you know, talking about uh, tech and gaming and so on and so forth. Um, but really, the sort of the the breadth of of content that's available has um, has really exploded, yeah. and I think it touches you know many of the different passion points that uh, you know the, the broad majority of people uh, are having. So definitely, content is a is a key piece. I think as well, um, you know, there's often one big breakout hit yeah. Um, yeah. that kind of brings and surfaces podcast uh, to the forefront. You know, the US had Serial. Um, God, I remember so. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I know it was only a few years ago, really. Um, but again, it's sort of bringing it into the kind of public uh, awareness, yeah. um, and, and 
you know, ultimately bringing it mainstream. Yeah. My, my guilty pleasure is uh, Table Manners from Jessie Ware and her mum, which sort of weirdly, I don't, can't even think how I got into it, but it's just <laughs> brilliant. And and that whole thing, which which is just sort of fascinating, the, um, the, the ads as reads that actually you've got brands giving complete control over to the, the talent effectively and letting them kind of do what they want with their brands, whether it's a bank or it's a wine. Um, Rather than, I guess, the we've done telly ads to death in saying don't just produce a, a landscape 30-second television ad and, and expect it to work on a smartphone, I guess the same would be true of uh, of radio and digital audio. Don't just do what you're doing on commercial radio and put it on. Exactly, exactly. I think uh, advertisers need to be um, you know, conscious of the environment. Mm. Uh, the fact that you know, the vast majority of consumption of podcasts uh, is, is happening on mobile, yeah. it's happening with, uh, with people with headphones on. So brands really need to be conscious about that environment and making sure that if they want to get the most out of the medium, uh, that they need to make sure that their, uh, their ad creative is really uh, where possible tailored for that. Yeah. Um, best examples you see, not just podcast guy, but who are the who are the brands that are doing it well? Um, I think actually it's about the tools that the brands have. So, for example, mm. you know we've got a tool called Listener Insight ID, which allows people to measure the effectiveness of their of their um, audio ad, which yeah. is obviously something you can't do in real time on traditional broadcast yes. media. Um, so, one of the things that you can do there is look at which audiences are working best, but you can also look at which creative messages are working best. Um, so, we've seen people like UK TV, for example, mm. actually um, really test different calls to action uh, in in uh, online in, sorry in audio creative yeah. to work out whether things you know simple as um, coming soon versus on now works better and actually being able to um, measure the the effectiveness of, of their media in a way that they weren't able to before yeah. and actually that runs across everything you know you can do that within podcasts you can do that within um, digital audio radio brands yeah. you can do it within the within streaming services like SoundCloud um, so actually I think the creative opportunity tied to the data that you can get back is a really interesting thing yeah and, and I guess that was always the the really easy entry point for digital you think about something like search you know you could have something live for 15 minutes and get a sense of a b testing and what's working and the fact that you know can now do it with more things that are becoming digital i guess uh is just giving you more opportunity to do stuff is there you know you talked about um different platforms not just podcasts is there standardization though whereby you know if i want to buy across five different types of platforms is there sort of a common thread that can run between it or I have to do five different things if I'm an advertiser no there is standardization and I think you know really that's that's where DAX started yeah. and that's still kind of a really important part of, of DAX's heritage is the idea that digital audio can be quite complicated mm. you've got podcasts you've got radio brands you've got streaming brands yeah. all of them are inserting their ads with a different degree of frequency yes. um, different ad loads and actually having someone like Dax who can make sense of that do the heavy lifting mm. so that actually it's easier for an advertiser to, to buy an access yeah. um, is really what we're all about um, I think that you know you've got opportunities obviously with things like host red podcast ads where it's really important um, and, and perhaps appropriate that you want a one-on-one relationship with that host or, yeah. or a couple of hosts um, but actually, if you want to execute um, at scale across lots and lots of different publishers, lots of different media owners, um, then that's possible as well. Yeah. Um, and it, hopefully it's not the most ridiculous question I've ever asked on this podcast, Chris, but uh, video. Has video got any place within audio? I think about things like some of the platforms, you know, things like Spotify, where they've tried incredible video formats. If you haven't got a platform, it doesn't work. Or as you said, it's 99.9% of people with headphones on or speakers. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. Um I think it uh, it does, and we're seeing it sort of actually uh, materialise in a couple of different ways. Mm. Uh, one is, uh, you know, incorporating video as part of a, an audience and listener acquisition strategy. 
um, is pretty important. And uh, you're seeing more and more of podcasters using uh, a new format that's called an audiogram, which is creating like a snippet of audio right. that you're able to post out onto social ah, uh, yeah, media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great for driving awareness and, uh, and generating kind of audience and listenership. Um, and the other side of it is, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're sort of big podcasters like your Joe Rogan, for example, yeah. in the US. I mean, th- these guys are doing kind of live video uh, recordings of their mm. podcasts uh, for distribution through video as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say that it, it does, um, but it depends on really kind of what the podcaster's objective are, uh, objective is. Sorry. Yeah. And if you're thinking about um, programmatic audio, uh, guy, what's you know the sort of the starting point for as you start to think about it? Can you think about it in the same way as you're going to do anything programmatic with digital? Or are there specific nuances to it? Um, you can and you can't. Um, mm. You know, we Good answer. <laughs> we see. Um, thank you very much. I'll, I'll stop there. Um, we see. Um, in, in one sense, programmatic is is just a buying channel, and mm. we want to make DAX with all of its targeting capability, all of its measurement capability, all of the great brands within it yeah. um, accessible to people, whether they want to buy that. Direct through an IO, or whether they want to buy that programmatically, mm. um, but we're also we also want to make it um, line up with other forms of programmatic media as much as possible. Yeah. So one of the things we've been quite successful at over the last couple of years um, is increasing the volume of addressable inventory yeah. running through the platform. So actually, um, more so now than ever before, um, advertisers and agencies have got an opportunity to overlay their data um, onto onto it in the way that they would in display, uh, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then there are um, ways in which audio is different and. And I've mentioned voice-activated devices, yeah. you know, Alexas and things like that before. Um, and actually, we have um, some agencies who just have pipes accessing just those devices yeah. uh, programmatically. And that's not addressable inventory in exactly the same way. Um, but they are aware that um, those devices tend to be in the home, for example. People tend to be doing household tasks yeah. while, they're, while they're listening to them. So there's absolutely an opportunity to target relevant messaging to people at a certain moment, even though it's not addressable programmatic in exactly the same way you might get from a, from an MPU or, a, or, or, or another form of display inventory. And, and who do you talk to? You go into agencies uh, today, you've probably got a bunch of people who bought radio traditionally, you've got a bu- bunch of people who have bought digital display traditionally, if we can say that, you've got a bunch of people who do self-serve things like search and, and, and paid social. Is it across all three? I mean, who, who, do you, who do you how do you sort of navigate? It's got a bit more complicated. Yeah, I mean, and I think going back um, sort of prior to my time, I think when DAX started, it was um, it was more radio buyers yeah. uh, than, than digital buyers. Um, but obviously, we have um, you've got digital metrics coming into it. So um, so so things change. We've actually got a piece of research out in the field at the moment, um, which is going to be published uh, this summer, I think in mm. June. Um, and one of the things that's coming through loud and clear is that um, digital buyers are more interested in, in digital it. audio and more engaged in it and yeah. the opportunities it presents than, than they ever have been before. Yeah. And same for you, do you think, Chris? Because I guess yours is a different... Is yeah. it partnership teams that you're talking to? Is, yeah. it, is it digital people? It's a bit of a mix, really. Yeah. Um, I think we see a good chunk of, uh, of buying coming through from traditional radio teams, mm. uh, a bit of a mix from uh, agencies that have set up specific AV uh, teams yeah. that yeah. are kind of somewhere sitting in the middle. Um, the uh, partnership teams particularly is, is an area that uh, we work with quite closely yeah. when it comes to things like the you know, sponsor type reads and, and branded content, for example. Um, and then you've still got some agencies that still are kind of still working out where yeah. it might live in the agency. Yeah. Um, I think in the UK market specifically, I think most agencies uh, are pretty well versed and have got a good idea of how they want to treat audio. But mm. every market uh, is at a different stage and uh, in other territories around the world, yeah. you know, some, some of them are still literally still kind of working out where, really? where does audio live kind yeah. of. 
similar to the early VOD days, for example. Yeah, that's probably probably a good comparison. On uh, on, on the sponsored reads, you know, if you go to someone like Adam Buxton, I'm sure everyone would love to have Adam Buxton doing sponsored reads for you. Um, he doesn't have to say yes to everything. I take it. Is there a degree of he'll look at some stuff and you know he can make some stuff you can make funny other things he wouldn't do. Yeah, I mean the 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 call is up to him. I mean yeah. he has creative control over yeah. over sort of well, first of all. He's got an element of creative control that uh, the brands um, that he wishes to work with. So he right. is, he's able to vet which brands that he would like to to work with. Um, but you know, there's an element of trust that the yeah, brand they, he's kind of mm. renowned for these uh, this yeah, style and type of these kind yeah. of sponsor reads. Yeah. And you know, it's not for every brand, yeah, but for many true. brands. And he's done a you know a large roster of of these uh, host reads now. <laughs> um, you know, they're happy to do so. So. Um, yeah. but it's very different than having an agency, you know, defining the, uh, you know, what they're going to do, it and very, you know. So, but I guess you know, it's both from horses, of course. Is um, we should talk about sonic identities quickly because we've got Sam coming on to talk uh, in two minutes on about them. Mastercard, their CMO was talking about them. He said they're transforming their logo into a sonic visual experience. What on earth is he talking about? Uh, Guy, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, I'm going to completely fail to, to remember <laughs> the exact stats now. Um, but, you know, I, th- I think it's I think everyone knows that um, more and more of the internet is being called up by voice yeah. than ever before. Yeah, you know, yeah. we see, um, I think the latest Midas figures have more people listening to digital audio via smart speakers than via, via tablets. Wow. Over a quarter of our listening at Global is now through, through smart speakers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so people are just using these things far more frequently and, and are far more engaged with them. Um, and it creates a, creates an opportunity for brands, um, which is, and it also creates a, um, a challenge to be solved, which is if people are going to find your brand, discover your brand, yeah, engage yeah, yeah. with your brand, and there's no screen in front of them, you need to think about your yeah. identity in a different way. Yeah. And I think what Mastercard are talking about is, is very sensible. Yeah. Uh, he said, uh, the melody is very sophisticated, yet neutral, as opposed to dominating. Um, and they talk about this acceptance sound, because obviously they're point of sales. So, I mean, if you tap a Mastercard, you're going to get a little noise back. I mean, it feels like they sort of thought of everything. Um, they will be very advanced, I guess, in, in what they're doing as Mastercard. But you've got all those brands of old as well that have got all that legacy of things, the, the Microsoft Windows 95 chime, you know, there's lots and lots more. But it's important stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think some brands have been ahead of the game mm. and have, have kind of built this kind of sonic branding into their uh, their strategies from, from a long time ago. So yeah. they're probably ahead of the game, but yeah. you know, to Guy's point, you know, with the you know the advent of of smart yeah. speakers and this kind of voice environment and this audio world that uh, we're in, that you know, brands are really going to have to take this much more seriously and uh, and and consider this, yeah. you know, sonic branding is really part of their uh, their strategies. Fertile ground for innovation. Yeah. I'd imagine you're going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and, and also, you know, we see, you know. Uh, digital audio has grown enormously, yeah. continues yeah, to yeah. grow very, very quickly, um, but it's still a lot smaller than display and video. I think where we're heading is a world where um, its place on the media plan becomes ever more clear yeah. because of things like this, as I talked mm. about at the start, because of the fact that people have ever more opportunities to engage with it because voice is ever more important. Um, I think that um, the digital audio will continue to have that moment because yeah. it's a, it's a good way of reaching people and it's an effective way. Yeah. Um, to, to, to finish then, I hope you go on. That's, that, that's what we've got time for. Uh, a question... Uh, uh, same question for you both. Um, if there was a challenge you could solve in digital audio, uh, what would that be, Guy? One challenge, if you could literally click your fingers and it would be solved, um, what might it be? This is a bit of um, this is a bit of 
it's not the sexiest one, uh, but audio is listened to on thousands of different devices, different players. It just makes it very, very complicated. Yes. And actually what we would like is for it to be as simple as possible uh, in terms of identity and in terms of um, accessibility to an advertiser as possible. Yeah. Um, so actually getting to a point where um, it's as easy for someone to execute as it is a display buy um, with all of the benefits that audio brings over and above something like display um, would be a great a great place to get to. I think more broadly it goes back to the the, the point that you were just making then around mm. sonic identities and yeah. people really understanding the role of voice in their plans yeah. um, and how we can help them how, how we can help them with that. Yeah. Well the first thing they do is is, uh, is look at the Find Your Voice research on the IIB UK website which you'll do immediately on listening to this but uh, Chris one challenge if you could solve it what would go on the wish list? Yeah, look at this may solve itself over time in the long run but uh, offline listening mm. is difficult now the industry is, is coming together uh, in, out of the US uh, NPR is, is sort of developing uh, a uh, like a protocol called RAD. Yeah. Um, it's going to rec- <laughs> another acronym. We I know, do with just it. another <laughs> one. Um, which you know the industry needs to get behind to yeah. help solve uh, you know the measurement for people that do continue to choose to to download and and off uh, listen to their their media in an offline yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Same here. So you know that is uh, that's an inherent challenge. It's yeah. quite specific to podcasting. Uh, you know, education goes a long way. I think long term with, you know, ubiquitous internet access mm. everywhere we go uh, may change that. But, um, you know, that's something that's still, as you say, about simplicity and making it easy. There's still nuances that exist yeah. within the audio kind of uh, format that, uh, you know, do make it a little bit sort of complicated at times. Wonderful. Two things on the wish list for Christmas then. Uh, <laughs> chaps, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Guy. Thank you. thank you, Chris. Thank you. Once again, thank you, Chris and Guy, for talking to us this week. And as usual, here at the IAB, we've gathered and produced some useful resources on the subject. So if you want to see tools like our latest Listening Britain infographic, just search Digital Audio on our site, iabuk.com. And now it's time for Two Minutes On, the section of the podcast where we elucidate the tricky and clear up the complex. Every week, we spend a simple two minutes explaining a tough-sounding topic. And this week, we're getting two ear-friendly minutes on sonic branding. Here in the studio to talk us through, it's Sam Crowther, Head of Creative at A Million Ads. Thanks for joining us, Sam. That's right, a pleasure. Uh, I've heard so much about your power of sound presentation. I would love you to sum it up in just three words. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Experiential, uh, emotional and uh, powerfully sonic. That's very good. I'm putting as one word. That's actually very good. Um, Well, look, you know how this works. It's two minutes on sonic branding uh, and your time starts now. In a nutshell, what is sonic branding? In a nutshell, it's identification in the same way that visual branding identifies a product. Um, It's the same in sound. So when you think about visual branding being a logo and a typeface and a consistency of design... You just apply those to all things sonic. So it would be, um, it could be a sonic logo. It could be a piece of music. Um, it could be a consistent use of voice. But usually, it's all of those things combined mm. to create a consistency of of message. And it's all about the emotions. You know, it's about how we feel towards that product and services. So it's no longer just about identification, because the way that you identify then tells people how you feel uh, towards it. Um, and I always think of three uh, sort of examples that everybody knows the Intel Pentium processor. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Um, the other, uh, which is just about identification, because they were in those very early PC ads, and actually the awareness was always for Intel. Ah, yes. So they kind of dictated that. The second is McDonald's. So for McDonald's, uh, I'm loving it, which was um, 
has uh, been a track that's been used for uh, probably, probably about 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but they've done cut downs and they've done fuller, longer pieces of yeah, music. Yeah, they've yeah, done yeah. reworkings in different styles. And wherever you go in the world, even if you don't know the native language, you'll always know when a McDonald's ad is being played on the radio or on the TV. Do, 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 do. Exactly. Wow. Um, and, and the final one is, 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 as a British example, is, is British Airways, because they used a longer piece, uh, the Flower Duet by Dalib, uh, for many years, and they don't use it in the above-line advertising anymore. Mm. But that just shows, because um, they did lots of different remixes of that one piece, even on the planes, on the telephone, on hold ah, systems, right. on the little Gatwick shuttle. Um, ah. And it's a longer piece. And I think... When you think about branding, it is all of those things. It's about consistency. It's about changing the music uh, to fit different moods. Um, but really, it's about consistency because the consistency comes from a melody or a choice of voice mm. and the way that you talk to people. But actually, it's incredibly adaptive as well uh, because obviously you can remix music in, in, in thousands of different ways, genres, tempos, use different instrumentation. And I think in the world of voice, that's why it's all become very pertinent now because suddenly brands are saying, well, how do I choose between different products if, mm. you don't, if you're not identifiable in that sonic environment? So suddenly you have these brands all talking about sonic branding uh, at this moment. Sam, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. And if learning about sonic branding was music to your ears, check out our Introduction to Creative Best Practice playbook, which you can find on our website at iabuk.com or find the link in the episode notes. Welcome to the section of the podcast we call Overheard at the IAB. Usually split into two parts, it's part a canter through the IAB calendar, a notice board for your ears if you like, and part, although significantly less so, sharing of salacious industry gossip. And this week, I'm joined by Catherine Cribbin from our industry initiatives team and the IAB's very own digital ad standards manager, Karen Tal. Welcome to you both. Hi, James. Hi, James. Uh, Catherine, Digital Britain Manchester last week. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. What about you? Uh, I thought it was brilliant. And we did it a little bit differently this time. Yeah. So uh, we used our kind of Manchester group to help us shape the uh, agenda. And one thing that we did that I absolutely loved <laughs> was we brought on stage a group of sort of Gen Z, a Gen Z panel um, chaired by Lee uh, from TI. He's absolutely brilliant. And the <laughs> audience could tweet them all the questions that they were absolutely dying to know. And um, so that was a, a bit of fun for the end of the day. Yeah, I, I rounded it off quite nicely. And it sort of was one of those... You see too many panels where everyone sort of nods and agrees and all the rest of it, but they sort of violently disagreed on them. I remember I the know, chap on I the end. It. Yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> um, and uh, but we were up there the day before. Talk to us about what you were doing with the ideas hack. Um, so the ideas hack was basically a day where we brought together thirty of the kind of rising digital talent uh, from Manchester and from our member companies all together around uh, helping a charity who are local to Manchester. So Fair Share Manchester, who mm. look after food waste and recycling, um, do loads of wonderful things on the operation side so they provide three million meals to people all across the UK but mm-hmm. they don't do much on the kind of communication side so yeah. we thought we could bring together some talent in the industry to help them sort of make uh, make fair share famous in Manchester so we gave uh, these poor poor people <laughs> three hours uh, to try and help make fair share Manchester famous in the afternoon the day before digital Britain mm. um, and then they had to pitch at the end of the day and uh, and then they had a sleepless night we picked two a sleepless night and a morning later, we plonked them on stage in front of the 230 attendees and they pitched it again. 
I know. We I don't think we told them just how many people would be in the room. Um, they did great, though. They did really well. I um, I'd asked them to get in about half an hour, an hour before um, it actually started, and it was sort of ten minutes before they were on stage, and I could see them running oh. across the street because they'd obviously been working on it to the very last minute. But and, it was brilliant. And the winning idea was the was the meal deal, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, so it was all centered around this kind of uh, hashtag best meal deal in Manchester, a kind of a sort of a teaser all about this best meal mm. deal, and then it would be a reveal that was. Um, um, the best meal deal in Manchester you can buy is if you spend five pounds for the fair share Greater Manchester, you can buy twenty meals for mm. people who are in poverty. Yeah, it's nice. I hope it happens. I really do. I do. Uh, Karen, welcome to the IB. Hello, James, and welcome to the IB UK podcast week two, and you're on the podcast. I know. Talk about a baptism by fire. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Um, you're in Manchester as well. Favorite session for you at Digital Britain. Um, favourite session? Difficult to choose, really. There were so many good presentations, so many great speakers. I particularly liked the Be the Editor yeah. presentation. Um, it was brought to us by The Guardian, The Telegraph, The Mail and Good Housekeeping. Yeah. Um, really important for the future of publishing and for the future of advertising to sustain that. And I think most exciting was the free Easter eggs that we got, well, all part of the research, really. Easily pleased. Very heavily dressed up as research there. It was a, <laughs> a bribe of sorts. But it was back from Nonference where it was... 45 minutes and we had to sort of crunch it into 20. I thought this version was better actually myself. It was really, really good. I laughed and cried in the it, 20 minutes. It was a roller coaster, wasn't it? <laughs> Even within 20 minutes. Um, but it's not just train trips up to Manchester uh, for you. You've been looking at the next iteration of the Gold Standard. Tell us about that. I have been. So the Gold Standard launched just over a year ago with our first version. And within that year, we've really had some great support, great reaction mm. from the industry. Um, and with that, we wanted to take it to the next level. So really evolve with the times and with the industry, just to make it a bit more prescriptive, have some numbers behind it, have some minimums to really make everyone a lot more accountable yeah. for their digital advertising. Uh, and if you are uh, already certified for the gold standard, is there anything you need to you know, down your headphones and do uh, immediately before we revoke anything from you? Absolutely not. Don't panic, everyone. Um, your gold standard will remain. Um, when your yearly certification comes to an end, we will be getting in touch to recertify you to 1.1 standards. Got it. And then new companies who certify now will go on to 1.1. Absolutely. Perfect. Very, very clear. Uh, I've written Creative Mornings, Catherine. Tell us about that. Uh, so Creative Mornings is an event that we launched a couple of weeks ago uh, where we bring in wonderful people from all corners of the digital advertising industry to pitch to an audience mm. first thing in the morning about a wonderful campaign they've been working on. So six campaigns, 15 minutes each, lots of yummy wow. breakfast. Um, it's a great event um favorite one for you you were talking about some vr uh yes so verizon media talked about an abu dhabi vr 360 experience that oh. they did um and there was some really interesting stories from juliet about how <laughs> they um they weren't allowed to use the drones until the last day of filming which was like the whole point that they wanted oh, to have wow. these drones and then they finally got they finally got the license to use the drones on the last day um but she brought along some vr headsets and it was absolutely brilliant i definitely definitely recommend checking it out nice so it's not just banners and buttons there's lots of very interesting yes. creative stuff in there um uh, we, we we could we could keep going but that's all we've got time for the one the one thing we should mention though it's a delight that uh our friend of the podcast ben murphy from quantcast is back in line of duty i love seeing him back in that role oh my gosh the, i was looking at it earlier and it's uncanny it is uncanny oh, i think he's moonlighting he is he's a friend of the podcast so he won't mind us mentioning it um that's all we've got time for thank you both thank you karen thank you Catherine. thank you, thank you.
Now, fans of the podcast will know that our favourite number is 1,200. It's a decent-sized number. In fact, it's the height in metres of Italy's Mount Vesuvius. Well, give or take. Here at the IAB, we are home to over 1,200 member companies. Every episode, we randomly choose one and ask them to send a willing representative to take on our notorious quick-fire questions. It's a bit like the Hunger Games if the game was 10 pointless questions rather than a survival battle to the death. This time, we managed to sit down with The Guardian's UK commercial director, Nick Hewitt. Let's have a listen to how it all went down. So we're at the IAB's Macklin Street space and have just finished rehearsals with some members of our publishing group who are presenting together at Digital Britain in Manchester on Thursday. Uh, Are you all set for Thursday, Nick? Yes, I am. Thank you. Yeah. And fully recovered from the award win last week. Yeah, that was a very satisfying evening. Yes, thank you. Very good. Um, This is nice and straightforward. It's 10 questions. You get 60 seconds to get through them all. Are you ready? Let's go. Start the clock. The most obscure piece of feedback you've ever been given? That a a comedy show that Bruce Daisy and I wrote and sent to the BBC lacked both comic originality and flair. When was the last time someone called you Nicholas? Uh, My mum on Sunday. How many other languages can you count from one to ten in? Three. Where did you get your news from this morning? Uh, guess. Uh, tell us something that we wouldn't find on your Wikipedia page. Uh, that I'm not allowed to go back to Cuba. <laughs> your favourite quality street? Chocolate one. Uh, the last thing you searched for before taking on these ten quickfire questions? Very middle class, uh, how to set up a backgammon board. <laughs> a member of the ginger family, but more commonly used as a spice and known for its medicinal purposes, turmeric or turmeric? Turmeric. Ken Falls or Carol Cadwallader? Oh, Carol. And the final question, if there was a statue of you erected outside the Guardian HQ at King's Place, what pose would the statue be doing? Well, there'd be hundreds of people who deserve a statue before me, but if it was me, it would be of a sort of Bruce Forsyth, I'm a frustrated game show host. Very good. And that's it. That's your 10 quickfire questions. Thank you very much, Nick. Pleasure. Well, that's it for episode four. We hope we pricked up your ears with some interesting insights into the world of digital audio. Big thanks once again to our sponsor, Verizon Media. We truly hope you like the podcast and find it useful. And if you do, please do subscribe and give us that coveted five-star rating. And do you know anybody who's not listening to the podcast yet? Why not give us a little recommendation and help spread the word? As always, we'll be back in two weeks' time and quite unbelievably, we'll be marking the halfway point of this series. So if you want to hear all about the prep for this year's Engage, or listen in trepidation to another of the industry's leading lights being put through their paces in our 10 quickfire questions, then we'll see you in episode 5. As ever, if you want more information about what the IAB does and how you can get in touch with us, find us online at iabuk.com or at iabuk on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget, you can email us feedback, suggestions and general musings using podcast at iabuk.com. Until next time, thank you for listening. The IAB Podcast, sponsored by Verizon Media.